0: So welcome to podcast number two of Laurie Abbey and the Abbey Collection. Uh, today we're going to be talking about what's happening in the Denver market, updates from today, last month, and a year ago, and also Laurie Abbey's process in oh. the real estate world.
1: Excellent! Can't wait to talk about my consistent
0: process. So Laurie, let's just uh, let's get straight into this. Um, what's your mindset when it comes to real estate? What are you thinking about? How do you apply that to your clients?
1: Um, What I'm thinking about every single day is knowing everything I could possibly know. So, what I'm thinking about is watching the market, seeing if we're up in terms of houses on the market, seeing what prices are doing, seeing, looking every single morning and seeing how many things went under contract, how many things closed, how many things are on the market, uh, just to make sure that I know everything that's going on. I think it's really important. To see little subtle changes and then also to watch the big picture for our clients and for my own knowledge
0: so with that how do you apply that to your clients do you send like a weekly update do you send anyone those big changes in the market like how do you how do you get that across to your clients so they're the most educated the most well informed of what's going on in, in today's market
1: well you make a valid point how i apply that and let that let my clients know is right this very moment in this podcast because I don't really send a lot of this stuff out and probably we're going to need to get better at that. I think what I am really good at is as I'm taking the clients out, as we're going out, as I'm working with buyers, as I'm working with sellers, is applying the knowledge to the clients that are wanting it at that moment. So it's not something I send out partially because I don't don't know how much people look at that kind of stuff. But I sure know that when they're ready to sell and when they're ready to buy, they want to know all that information. And when I have investors, I know you and I both work with a lot of investors for for our team. And um, the way that I apply it in that respect is to watch what's coming, what's going, how quickly it's all happening, and, and what's going on with the market. So I apply it more in the moment than I do making it something that I send out to everybody. So it's more than
0: for you to have that greater understanding of the market and as soon as somebody asks you a question then you have the answer straight away. You can't go, okay I'll go find out what that is because people want to know here and now because it's such a hot market you have to move on properties therefore you have to have that information to hand. Yep. I think that's what you do a very good job of. You're very well educated you know obviously you can always work on can we get that information to the clients on a consistent basis but if they're not looking at properties, they're not looking then, they'll probably just go oh, I don't really need that knowledge and, and bypass that email and move on. But then when you meet with clients, you have lunches, you do the seminars, you're very well versed, you're very well educated. So if somebody does have a question, email, text, whatever, DMs yeah. you on social, then you can get straight to it. Yeah. It's not like oh, I'm gonna wait a week until I get back to you. No, I know exactly what it is, and I'll get that information to you as soon as I possibly. Can. Absolutely,
1: I'll text you. Usually, if you text, I'll call you. I'll text you right back immediately. But yeah, I could probably work on again being more consistent with sending that out to people. But I feel like the people that need it when they need it, the information is there right in my mind because I'm looking at it every day.
0: So, so with that education and that knowledge base you have, I mean, what else sets you apart uh, from other real estate agents in Denver, in Colorado, and you know, why are you so successful?
1: Um, I read something this morning that is perfect for this. Um, It talked about how obviously talent will get you so far, um, but hustle beats talent every time when talent isn't hustling. So I think, I don't know if I would call myself natural talent because probably I hustle more. I mean, I've got the the desire for knowledge. So that's, maybe maybe you call that natural talent because I am always wanting to know what's going on and wanting to make sure that I'm at the top of my game. And then the hustle comes in uh, in that I am applying it, I'm looking for it, I'm thirsting for more and wanting to share that and making sure that our clients are getting the best deals possible out there and making sure that we are as informed as we need to be as we're going forward with any decisions. So I'm going to have to say, talent and hustle and as you like to say, work great.
0: Well I think you have got a passion to to realise people's real estate dreams. I mean that's one of your yeah. that's one of your missions in, in real estate. You know, it is that you feel that people have a dream in real estate, whether that's that it's their family home forever, whether it's your investment client or people who are just buying rentals, you know, you are looking to realise their dreams. So the more educated well, the more hustle you have for them, then that really what sets you apart because you are you know, actively getting out there in the market, in the neighborhoods, finding out what's going on to best serve your clients.
1: Well, not only that, I too, I mean, as I said, this is a long-term career for me, 30, 40, 50 more years. (laughs) Yes, I will. Uh, And so there are times where I have to stop clients in the middle of something and say, I just am not feeling right about this. This is this doesn't feel like the right deal. I feel like we could do better. And as hard as that is, because you see a check at the end or whatever, I see more of the long-term picture of, God, this is this doesn't help us get to where they really want to be and where I think they should be for the long-term. So yeah, I'd say that's a passion. It's a passion for making sure my clients are realizing their dreams, whether it's a dream of a particular amount of cash flow, future equity, or a place where their family can live and, and go to the schools they want to go to for the next bunch of years or walk to the neighborhoods they want to walk to, etc.
0: I think that just follows on and backs up what you said in last week's pod of actual items is always think that you've got a lot of money in the bank and always be ethical. Always make sure you're servicing that client the best of your ability because you want them to be re- repeat clients, you want them to have referrals, you know, you're not going to chase these leads. Your sphere of influence and making sure that every client you serve has a great experience but that comes with finding the best problem for them at that particular time in the market.
1: Yep, and, and then again, keeping the process less stressful as, as to the extent possible the entire way through. Okay, this is going to be a good one. Oh God, I know where you're going with this.
0: What's your morning process, uh, and then we'll move on from that because this is going to be interesting for everybody who's listening to this poem. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I don't know if interesting is the word. Um, I mean, I have a morning process. I, I have read all the books that say get up in the morning, morning miracle meditate write, etc etc and i've tried that for months here months there a couple days here a couple days there i feel like i have more of a nighttime process i am naturally a nighttime person so what is for a lot of people the morning process where they get up they do their meditation they do their reading they catch up on everything they do all that i do that at night so if you want my morning process i'll tell you it is to get up Leisurely lay in bed and read my emails and texts and catch up on them upside down while I while I'm still laying there, and then wake up, play with the dogs, run around the house a little, chase them around, make some tea and feed the dogs. So you know that's my morning. You want my nighttime process? It's a little more interesting. Well, that just goes on. Obviously,
0: from from my background in performance, yeah. I think there's there's natural circadian rhythms what people have during the day, and I think it's very hard to change. You know, I'm very much a morning person, so I'll get up early, I'll get a lot of things done, you know, but then other people are nighttime people, or they, they, they function better in the afternoons. So let's talk about, if you're not a morning person, it doesn't matter, no. you, know, you know, for you, it doesn't matter. You know, other people may do, they may want to change, they may want to change some of their processes, you know, but when you function best, what is your process?
1: There we go, thank you. When you go to bed at 9ish so that you can get up and start your morning process is when I start my evening process. So really right about the time you go to bed at 9 or 9.30 unless you've gotten me hooked on some ridiculous program and then you leave me sitting there to watch it. Those days aside, my process is turn the TV off and then I catch up on anything that I've missed throughout the day. Then I sit down and look at my calendar, I write things down, I write my goals down. So that's where I get into sort of the writing, having some silent time completely to myself. And then after I catch up on the stuff from before, sit down and look at where I am with my goals from the past week that I've got coming up. Then I'll sit down and write my next day. I will send, this is where everybody gets the batch of emails and text messages from me from like, 10:30 to 12, and that is let's get these things done tomorrow. Hey, these are our goals as a team. These are our goals as human beings. And from nine to one, or nine to 12, or nine to one, I am the most creative that that I've ever been. It's completely silent, and that's when I figure out where we want to go next with both my clients and with the team. After, of course, I've caught up on on the rest of the day. So, so with
0: that, you know, you talk about goals, short, long-term goals. How? How far ahead are you looking for your short term? Is it just day by day or are you looking a week or two ahead? And then your long term goal, are you looking a month, six months or 12 months?
1: Go- long term goal is the year. So where is our goal for the year? We set a goal for the year at the end of last year. We've modified it at a time or two, but it's very close to where it was. So I'm looking at the long term goal. So it's, it's threefold, that process. So one thing I'm doing is, hey, these are the things that we need to get done tomorrow to get to where we want to be at the end of the week, to get to be where we want to uh, want to be at the end of the year. So I would say, the first thing i probably do is look at, okay, where are we for the year? Are we getting closer to where we need to be? Are we on track for that? Okay, what are the things? So maybe I do back it up. So I'll mm-hmm. go the long-term, then back it up to what things do we need to accomplish by the end of this week to get that done? And then what are the important goals to get done tomorrow? So every day, every single night, I am looking at all three of those things. So I think, I think
0: that's, that's great for everybody who's listening. Um, you know, you have your outcome goal. Yes. So that's that's the big goal, that's what we want to achieve, whether well, that's first million in real estate, whether it's 100 million or it's 50 million. You know, okay, what am I going to get there? How am I going to get there to get to that 50 million goal? That's the outcome. You know, and if you fall short, you fall short, but at least you reach for something, you know, but it's got to be applicable and it's got to be realistic. You can't all of a sudden go, okay, I made. Mean, $2 million in volume last year, I'm going to jump to 100 million. Without any sort of process, get to that outcome goal. So you can have these lofty goals, which are great, and then we can aspire to reach those lofty goals and you need them so you, you don't sit and But what's the process to get to there? And I think if you don't have a process, you'll fall very far short of that outcome goal. And I think that just comes down to who to keep accountable, which is obviously yourself. You're the leader, you're the team lead, you're the senior broker in this operation. You, if you don't keep yourself accountable, then you can't keep your team members accountable. You know, so every task that you assign, every process you go through, it has to be accountable. And if you don't keep people accountable, you know, then obviously you won't reach that goal at the end of the day or the end of the year.
1: Right, and I think you reminded me of something that we've talked about over the last week or two, which is what are the things? So our goal is 50 million this year. What are the things that are gonna get us to that 50 million? And so we've written a list of what those things are and so making sure that every single day we are doing some action items on the list of the things that are gonna get us to the 50 million.
0: So, you brought a good point. So what are those action items? You know, you talked about we have to do these certain things and it's very consistent, there's a process in real estate, there's a process in everything that you do in life, basically, in my opinion, you know. Um, but you have to be consistent in that. You know, if you're gonna farm, make sure you farm those areas. Yeah. You know, make sure Consistently. Still- consistently, like, yep. so it's every month. You know, you're putting out information, put out resources to other people. Are you contacting your sphere of influence? Are you getting to those A's, B's and C's? You know, are you really hammering home with resource and education? Are they gonna refer you to different clients? You know, you had a great um, get together the other night for July 2nd, and you brought 90, I think 98 clients to an event, which is unbelievable. You know, are those those actual items that you talk about in your process that you have to do very consistently to get to that outcome goal.
1: Yeah, so I think we talked about having quarterly events and this was one of them, and I thought it was very successful. Talked about having monthly classes so that we can educate on investors. So all of our clients, whether they have a home or not, potentially want to invest in real estate. Then we talked about first time home buyers. So again, most of everything we do is through sphere of influence. So a lot of our clients are going to have friends that are going to be buying for the first time. we are going to have family members that are going to be buying for the first time. So we do our investment class, a first-time homebuyer class, and then, again, this is monthly. And then our third class that we do is a seller's class. So if you're thinking of selling in the next year, what types of things do you need to prepare in your home? What types of upgrades do you need to do? What do you need to do to have your house look a certain way? And what financial things do you need to do to prepare? so i think we've got the quarterly events to stay top of mind and also stay connected with our clients the monthly classes the newsletters that we send out um, the fun things that we do and then just continuing to be a home resource we as we've discussed before we help with everything from where do we get our hair done to a handyman to person who can change your lights out or anything else along those lines so we like to be the Resource for your homes every single
0: day. In the process, we talk about different processes, actual items. You know, are you consistent in doing what you're doing in the process? So you get to that outcome. You know, so now obviously, you know, we talked about that. And now we want to talk about the dem, the market. So, with that, we want to talk about what's happening now, yeah. what's happening <sighs> last month, what's happening a year ago, but also then what's happened five years ago. 'Cause we've obviously got some stats on that. <laughs> I
1: was gonna say I don't know if I know every single one of those things, but since you have nicely provided it on the computer, I can talk about it a little bit. What I know personally is that despite what the media says, despite what people are hearing from friends and you know, the sky is falling and all that kind of stuff, it is consistently continuing to get better. At a slower rate, better by better I mean the prices are continuing to go up. The inventory is rising, but very slowly things are happening and the indicators are very strong that our economy is still very strong here in Denver. Uh, the media says differently, but the stats agree with what I feel being out there every day, all day.
0: So just going on that. So yep. we're talking about average house prices. We're just in Denver at the moment. We're not talking about Colorado in general. We're not talking about Boulder. We're not talking about, um, you know, Greeley or, you know, anywhere else, just talking about Denver, that's right. where you're primarily based, that's where you do 99% of your business. Maybe 65, you know, but whatever. Anyway. <laughs> so let's just go through, um, obviously i provided some stats for you, you know these stats very well yourself. Um, but just talk about it. Let's just go through the average price for single family detached, attached. This is something
1: then... that, that people are not believing me on, but the data is right here in front of me, so I want people to understand this june of 2018 the average house price was 555,000, which was up from maybe 530 the year before that it is now 588 for june of this year it was 585 in may so that is a continuous increase and everybody thinks that the market is halting it's not it's it's going up continuously um so the average that is the average house price of a single family detached even in um, single family attached, which would be a condo or a townhome. The prices have gone up from 422 in June to 440 in May of this year, to 442 in June of this year. So again, that's an increase. It's, it's all the indicators are that we are going up. Five years ago, listen to how different these prices were. Five years ago, we had detached home prices of 390 versus the 588 that we have right now. That's a $200,000 increase. And our interest rates are a little bit lower. So it's, it's a pretty strong time to buy right now. And then in June of 2014, attached homes were 293 compared to the 442 that they are right now. Again, a huge increase, indicating that we are still on the upswing. And what I try to explain to people is that we are, a small city going to a big city. So not only do we have a lot of the diversity of economic diversity that we've discussed before, where we used to in the 80s be just gas and oil, now we're gas and oil, we're technology, we're aerospace, we have all sorts of things going on here that we didn't have before. Our unemployment is the lowest that it is in the country. And so everything's sort of flourishing. And that's why we have such a why it's such an attractive place to move. That's why there's so many more people moving here than we have homes for them. That's why rental prices are going up. That's why home prices are continuing to go up. So again, I think it's slowed a little bit in the level of growth, or maybe it went from this to this, but it's still heading up and it's still a really good time to buy. In fact, I think summer is the best time to buy because we're a very active people here in Denver. And uh, July and August, you'll see more price drop price drops than you do throughout the year. And that's because everybody's gone. So you've got this inventory of houses and you've got people like you, not me, but you going camping, for example, this weekend. Um, you've got people traveling around the country, traveling around the world. If I look at any of my social media, 80% of my friends are gone doing something fun right now.
0: So so with that in Denver, there's obviously, there's, there's dips in the market, there's highs, there's lows. Why do you think that is? And talk us through the entire year of when people are buying, when people aren't buying, and that may lead into when you should list your house, for example.
1: Yep. Um, People are not buying in July and August. That changes above a million, but for people under a million, people aren't really buying in July and August. That's a younger population, and this younger population is out enjoying the reason they live in Colorado. The mountains, the lakes, the travel, they're gone July and August. Family, families are gone, taking their kids on vacation before school starts again. So July and August are traditionally very slow for buyers under a million, under five hundred. Anything in the $300,000 range is hot all the time because it's just so it's limited. Anything over a million, it's a different type of buyer. So when the house comes up that fits their criteria, they're going to snap it up. But between 350, dollars and a million, it really is going to slow down July and August and then it's gonna pick back up September. Last year it didn't pick up till October, and I'm not sure why that was. I think it's because we had maybe such a nice September as well. Picked back up October, November, and then through the middle of December. It sort of dropped December through around January 15th, and then it picked right back up again, and that's of course because we didn't even make the playoffs. And that, shockingly, the Broncos in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl will be a determinant as to how well the housing market will do. Truly, I promise you that is the case so last year we didn't make the playoffs the season started earlier and the hot season has gone all the way through until right now i just put a 1.5 million dollar house under contract the weekend before july 4th with three competing bids we ended up going over 1.55 and so that's not something you usually see into july or into june but i think again it's because the weather hasn't been perfect so the activities people love to get out and enjoy, they haven't been able to do as much as they'd like. Now that we've got some sunshine, I think, again, we're, get, we're going to see our traditional dead July and August with prices dropping. So anyone who wants to buy, let's get out there.
0: And what about the start of the year as well?
1: Start of the year, it, it truly does change based on football and weather. So start of the year starts anywhere from January 15th to around March 1st. If we are in the playoffs, if we make it to the Super Bowl, you won't see people looking at houses until the week or two after the Super Bowl, so March 1st. This year, we saw people looking at houses. It really picked up January 15th. So you you have to have a high-level real estate professional who watches every indicator because I won't let you put your house on January 15th if the Broncos are in a playoff game that weekend. It is a waste of your time. If we've got good weather and the Broncos are in a playoff, don't even waste your time we'll wait until a bye week or or whatever else we'll I wait. Mean, this is
0: heavily bronco town it
1: really is sports in general
0: if you have an open house in the bronco sunday don't bother waste of your time also Do it saturday
1: holidays big good we- really good weather weekends uh where it hasn't been good weather for a while because everybody leaves everyone goes it's 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 fun to watch it's fun to watch but it is you, if you think you're gonna get a, a good weather weekend or a bad weather weekend and you plan your open house and then the weather changes, your open house changes. We are a happy weather, happy sports town.
0: So just moving on now to, to days on market, and I think this is where you, once again, you set yourself out for, from other people, is that the days on market is probably a lot related to the price, mm-hmm. how you price your home, where it's overpriced, underpriced, you know, the finishes levels, the comps in the area, and that really is the knowledge of that real estate agent of pricing that home appropriately, or even pricing it a little bit lower with the aim of getting it bid up and you get multiple bid offers, which obviously every seller wants. So talk about the days on market and then talk about your process of pricing homes and how they should be priced appropriately in this market. If they're not priced appropriately, what happens to them?
1: So days on market last year, same time as around 24 compared to 28 right now in June. Uh, Last month it was 33. So it was up just a little bit more, but still a balanced market is, is six months. So it's 120 days. So the difference between 24, 28 and 33 is somewhat minimal, but more so than you would think. The shorter days on market, the more important it is to price it perfectly. If you price it perfectly, you are going to get multiple bids. And and that frenzy, that competition that people get in will get you more generally than your house is worth. And oftentimes we can even get a little bit of an appraisal gap where people will say, oh, I'll pay any appraisal difference because they're sort of, they know that they're overbidding and they're willing to pay $10,000 out of pocket to get that home. Um, So days of market are very important. They're very low. They're still traditionally low, even though we are starting to see them go up a little bit
0: so what's the general feeling if the house is going to market for 50 days 60 days what's the what's the general feeling from the public from the
1: public from the public the the general feeling really if it's been if you're in central denver and the house has been on more than three weeks they think something's wrong with it or it's priced inappropriately as you get to 50 days your, the bids that you're going to get if you get an offer in your house is going to be real low. You have to get that excitement the first two or three weeks. As you go out in the suburbs, the days on market gets a little bit higher. So there's more of an expectation that it may be three or four or five weeks before it sells. But if you're in the city and you don't have an offer in the first two weeks, you have priced it wrong, period.
0: And is that is that is a certain price range for that? Is it?
1: And so when I, I just told you, we had two in a row where we bid at 1.3 to 1.5. We even had a, a bidding situation of 1.2 two weeks ago or three weeks ago. So if things are, are priced correctly, does not matter the price point. You have people fighting over them. If you don't have people fighting over it, you've priced it wrong. Period.
0: Ideal. <laughs> and then obviously something, you know, you look at an you know, above ground price per square feet. To, you know, that's what the appraisers look at, isn't it? That's what you look at as well. When you, when you look at comps, you know, um, so talk about price per square feet, uh, and then we'll, we'll move on from there.
1: All right. Price per square foot has gone up, uh, from 279 to 292 right now. It was 291 last month. So 291, 292 is basically the same. Uh, but same time last year was 279 per square foot above ground. I'm looking at that one. I'm looking at detached. It's still the same. It's gone up. So it's gone up, whether you're looking at detached, um, attached or whatever the average has gone up from 279 to 292 um, and that is basically the same May and June didn't really change at all so and then the same The one thing I am seeing a little bit different is the price the list price to sold price has changed a little bit so same time last year was a hundred percent this year smittim- change but it's a change uh it's 99.1 in june and 99.2 in may so that's the list price to sold price so you're seeing less than a one percent discount so last year if you priced it at 500 it was selling for 500 this year if you price it at 500 it's selling for 492 basically what do you think that is be, well partially because people are overpricing people say oh my next door neighbor got 600,000 and they forget that their basement isn't done they forget that their kitchen hasn't been updated so the agent will fight back and forth with them saying well you know I'm looking at that one and that one's this well how about we just try 550 even if it's only worth 525 or 500 so i am seeing a trend of people thinking that they can name their own price despite what the um, the data will show them. So the trend is because it's been so hot for so long, they just wanna try and list it a little bit higher and it's, it's a mistake, but it happens. And because of that, you're seeing a little bit of a, a decrease in list price to sales price. I think that's, that's what little. comes in
0: when, when you're gonna list a house, list a property, you know, you, you try to advise the client on what they should basically price their house out. And obviously they think their house is worth a lot more, they, they love their house, this is where they grew up, their kids grew up and maybe moved on for somewhere else. So they have a certain perception, as you said, like a house down the street could have sold for X dollars and they want their their house to be exactly the same. Yeah. How do you get over that with the education of that client when they think, hey, my house is worth 650 and you've looked at all the comps, you've looked at the finish levels, you know, of, of all the comps in the area, or at least what you think are uh, vitally close to what they have. But you're going hey this place is really worth 6.15 you know so that's a, a massively actual item for agents in this market yeah because you don't want to overprice it because we spoke about that then your days on market will increase and therefore then the, the ultimately the it ultimately will
1: cost you three to eight percent if you overpriced to start your first couple of weeks yeah
0: so say i'm the home home seller hey glory that's great thank you very much for your time i'm on a list at 6.15 you've gone no it's worth six fifteen, so we're probably maybe listed at six ten or six seven nine or six twelve, whatever you want to do. Five ninety nine. Yeah. yeah. So, what would you say, and why? So, then, um, if you think it's worth six fifteen, why you listed it at five ninety nine, and what's really the piece of information and advice you can give to other agents of how you can deal with those interesting clients? Let's put it like that.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's many clients. I mean, it's 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 not uncommon to think. To have emotions evolve when you've lived and loved in that house. So that's not abnormal. Um, it, it comes down somewhat to confidence, the confidence that you can impart as the agent about how well you know your product. And for example, one that I just had recently where we took it over, they had started it at $750. I do think the house was worth about $615. So it's funny that you're having this conversation with me. I think it was worth about 615 but because they had not even looked at comps they didn't even look at comps they said hey i think this is worth this because it's a really pretty house all of those things were true and if we had picked it up and moved it into even six blocks from where it was it would have been worth 750 but it was in an area where the schools weren't as good it was next to a neighborhood that wasn't as pretty so they didn't look closely at the comps had they looked closely at the comps it would have been worth about 615 but because they priced it too high. They ended up, we're under contract now at 6.06, so I came back and said, look, it's worth 6.15, but it's on the market. It's been on the market 90 days. Here are every single one of your competitor comps. Here is how this one is better, how this one's bigger, how this yard is different than yours, how this garage is different than yours. And we went through item by item by item and said, given all of this data, what do you think the house is worth? And they said 6.15, which is what it was worth. But because it had been on for so long, we had to go down a little bit to 599 to sort of get some excitement, try to get into a whole new price point to get a whole new batch of buyers that hadn't seen this house that was sitting there for 90 days. So we ended up getting two offers Um, because it was priced at 599, we only got it up to 606, which was still pretty good, I think given that it had been sitting there for 90 days had it been priced correctly from the beginning maybe even at the 615 they may have gotten a couple multiple bids and gotten it up to 625. so that's where i say that pricing it incorrectly will cost you three to eight percent and to help get your clients there you really have to have the confidence you have to educate them so once she saw all the comps closely her emotions went away and she looked at the data and said yeah i guess you're right so
0: things that confidence is also no in the market. No in the neighborhood. If you go one block over, it completely changes in some in some situations. Oh, yeah. You know, just going over going over Colfax, for example, like that changes the price of the being house. Being close
1: to Colfax, going over from 6th Avenue, from one side of 6th Avenue to the other, one side of 8th Avenue to the other. Two blocks can make a huge... Three blocks, if you're on 9th versus being on 5th, um, Hilltop versus Mayfair, that could be a $400,000 difference in some homes. So it's really... Really important, not just it. It just education, education for both yourself and then helping your clients. Well, it's education on yourself,
0: and then you, then you put that, and part to, of your that to the clients. Exactly, yeah. and then they have trust in you, and I think that's that trust point where Laurie comes in or whoever comes into that that listing presentation or buyers are looking for a house. Like you've looked at the comps, you've looked at specific comps in that area. You haven't gone, okay, I'm going to look ten blocks away, you know, just because I can find a house that that's the price I want to sell this house for you know, I think I can sell your house for. Like, no, you've got to be very specific, you'll be very detailed in what you give that information across. And if you don't know that information, then your house is gonna sit on the market for a long time. You're not gonna you're not gonna sell your place. And then it's frustration, annoyance, and then it just this whole process is like, oh it's just another real estate agent not doing a very good job for myself.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it comes down a lot of times it comes down to research where you and I have discussed how important research is but not everybody is a great researcher so that's where people have specialty areas um if that if you're selling an area that's not your specialty area and you're not confident in the research and what streets turn and what schools turn etc then you should really refer that to somebody who is an expert in that area or you're doing your own client a disservice
0: one of your friends uh, who works in another um, agency you know they weren't happy with the area and they just gave it over to somebody else who lived in that area yep and go hey I'll get a referral field whatever their arrangement was for that for that listing because like, hey you know this area i don't know very well yeah we have to get this place on the market you know it's something It's like start of june or middle of june obviously before the july kind of lows yep. and they gave it away yeah well, i think that shows more confidence in yourself because you're not going to go off for something you don't know about yeah you know
1: what you're good at and what you're not good at exactly. yep. yep
0: so just to finish up laura i think it's, it's been great again um So give us top three pieces of advice for today's Denver market that you would give to other agents and what you give to your team members
1: Uh, for today's market. I think this might have been what I said last week. I can't even remember. But the most important thing is to educate yourself and educate your clients. Stay on top of everything that's going on. Look at the statistics. Just be informed. That's number one. Uh, Number two for today's market is move fast. Hustle. Um, call other agents, develop relationships, work hard. You've got to work hard for your client, you've got to move fast, you've got to work hard, you've got to stay informed. And what is third, what did I say last week? I'll say this again, this is my favorite line. Don't be an asshole. Be a good person, be nice to your clients, be nice to other agents, be nice to people that you're asking for help with information. Uh, If you do, be nice to everybody. If if you do all these things and you're informed and you are kind and you work hard and you hustle, you're going to do well. Period. Do those things, and you will be successful.
0: So I think it's it's it keeps on going back to consistency, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like it keeps on going back isn't to, to the not that shocking that anything
1: would be consistent
0: with me? But it really is unbelievable. To be fair, <laughs> well, we've now got it on video, so it has to be true. <laughs> but it you know it keeps on going back to that process of education. Yeah. You know, it keeps on going back to that. The more educated you are, you can push that onto yourself, so you have that deep ingrained knowledge. Yeah. And then when you put it across to your clients. And to other people, it comes across naturally because you know what you're talking about. And once you know what you're talking about, it's so much easier to talk about it. And it develops a
1: confidence in other people that you—they feel I'm out there every day being educated, knowing the market, looking at houses, dealing with other people. So it gives them a confidence.
0: Well, Laurie, it's been uh, it's been wonderful again. Um, you know, thanks a lot. Podcast number two in the you know in the books, and uh, we look forward to number three, uh, which will come out next week. Woo-hoo!